Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Calvary Central Podcast. First of all, I want to say a very big thank you for all the lessons you have given us since the beginning of the season. We are at our final episode today, and we'll be having... Kwame. Prosper. In today's episode, we'll be looking at being full in God's inheritance, and we'll be looking at sonship. So, to begin with, let me ask, who is a son? Okay. So, um, a son is different. So, from our discussions here, we realize that a son is different from a son in the Old Testament to a son in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, a son is related by blood. But then, in the New Testament, a son is related by life, essence. Okay, so you realize that even when Paul was talking of this concept, he used the um, scenario of Jacob and Esau, that Jacob I loved, but Esau I rejected. So they were both sons of Isaac by relation of blood. But in terms of agenda, in terms of inheritance, and in terms of um, what God wanted to do, Jacob was considered as a son, but Isaac was just considered as a descendant. So sonship now talks of, in the light of what Christ has done, we're receiving the full essence of what God has done for us and expressing it fully in ourselves. So in our Christian work of life, we express it fully. And I'll leave a bit of it for Prosper to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so, so like Kwame said, sonship in the old is different from sonship in the new. Uh, and um, for instance, Adam is, Adam is referred to as the son of God in Luke chapter 3. Uh, and uh, I mean, Genesis 6, Job chapter 2, and all that. And just as I was also referred to as the son of God, uh, as sons of God, sorry. So sonship in the New Testament has to do with the very life of God. So he that has a son has life. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But then, you know, God doesn't just want us to be sons. Uh-huh. He wants us to come to the place of sonship. Uh-huh. And uh, it's like the difference between son and sonship is the difference between regeneration and adoption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Regeneration is the making of sons. But adoption is the placing of sons. Mm. Uh, so I think as time goes on, we will, we'll get into the the real meaning of the word adoption because okay. yeah. and most people yeah. when, when we talk about adoption from adop, adoption from the Bible, they will think they think it's civil adoption, but that's not it. Yeah, that's exactly. It. Because even you realize that with the deal with sonship, that's the essence to which actually God created man. And one thing we must take note of is that even from our previous seasons you realize that salvation wasn't an afterthought, but salvation was the premise for creation. So in that premise of creation, which was salvation, now God had to set, um, God made us, or God made creation, so that we express glory. But then something happened, sin. So now when sin came, it's a recap. You can go through season one, two. It's, so when sin came, then we realize that God now started with the project. First, he looked to men. And then in men, he realized that when humanity rejected all men, one person stood out. And then he made a covenant, a deal with that person. Then you see Isaac. Um, Isaac, that's first Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob. Then out of Jacob came Israel. Then out of Israel, you realize that Israel did a lot of things and Levi stood out, that they became the Levitical priesthood. So you realize that God was having a program, okay? And there was a revelation of that program up to the last book of the Bible, Malachi, where it says when the great day of the Lord comes, that what be, um, he, would turn, he would send the prophet Elijah that would turn the heart of the fathers to the sons and other sons to the fathers. What was he talking about? He was saying that he was sending the spirit of Elijah so that it brings back relationship because mm-hmm. the end to revival is that relationship be restored. So sonship also deals with our relationship with God, not in the sense that our origin is just from God per se, but then everything we are becomes a reflection of all that he is. So sonship now, as he said, we have to talk about regeneration and adoption, and that is even what's going to make us go a little down to the depth. All right. So um, I'm I'm really happy you mentioned sonship in relation to the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you go to the New Testament, Jesus is called the the first of many sons. Yeah. What's the correlation? Okay, so Jesus is the pattern man. Okay. And in order to understand what the pattern man means, you must first understand who Adam was. Mm-hmm. 
So you realize that Jesus always used this phrase, which is translated into English as the son of man. The literal translation in Aramaic or in Hebrew was Ben Adam. Okay, that he was Ben Adam. Ben Adam went, and he was not now speaking as from son, as son in the Old Testament concept alone. He was speaking it in the New Testament concept. That he was not just related by Adam because he was born of a woman, but then he shared the essence of Adam in the sense of every aspect, ministry and whatever. You understand? And that sense of him being Ben Adam was that, okay, I am I'm now coming to fulfill what Adam failed to do. Okay, so Adam was the only man who had been given the mandate of setting a pattern. That was how come sin somehow became intrinsic. Remember, the first mention of a human being was without sin. So they're saying to air is human is a bit questionable because the first mention of a human being was without <laughs> sin. You understand? But then because Adam set the pattern for us in sin, this is how come for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. Because you cannot be greater than the forerunner. You understand? So Jesus had to now come as a new forerunner to set up a new standard. So here it is now. He became the firstborn among my brethren because he was the first, okay, the first man to now show us what really God intended from the beginning. So where Adam had caused destruction, now he called, he called for restoration. Where um, Adam had done and led to separation, now he had got, brought the ministry of reconciliation. So in that first, being the first, in now being Adam the, or being Adam the last, or being the head of a new race, you understand? That's why it says, you are, um, for anyone being Christ, he is a new creation, okay? Mm. The old is gone, the new has come. So he's saying that the old order of things have disappeared. Everything dealing with the old order that was pertaining to Adam the first is now gone, and the one now relating to Adam the last has come. So um, Jesus being the firstborn now talks about him now setting the pace for us, a new generation, a new set of people to follow. You understand? With regards to what God originated in So before, Adam caused it to be impossible, okay, for us to enter the fullness of what God wanted to do. But through Jesus Christ, now that possibility has been re- Hallelujah. Put, it has been put into our lives again. You get it? So, hmm. oh, um, with the issue of firstborn, um, Bible said, he's the firstborn, is that also? Yes. Yeah. And um, the firstborn actually has to do with, um, you know, the, the word firstborn in Greek is the word prototokos. I think we, we spoke about it some time ago in the previous episode. You know, the word prototokos. Uh, that's why we have the word protocol. Mm. Uh, it means the highest sound of priority. Yeah. You know, the highest sound of priority. Uh, and um, the Bible doesn't just also call him the firstborn. The Bible also calls him the only begotten. Mm. Uh, it, I mean... The only begotten, John three sixteen, God so loved the world uh, that gave, He gave His only begotten Son, and we know the word only begotten is the word monogenomai, uh, monogenes, the word monogenomai. Uh, he was alone in His own class. Mm. But then Hebrews, <laughs> Hebrews one five and six, but yeah. unto which of the angels said He at any time, this day I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Yeah. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world. Yeah. So the Bible also calls him the first begotten. The only begotten is the only born. But the first begotten is the first born. Mm. So it presupposes that the first born of a man is different from the only born of a man. Yeah. Uh, if I say I'm the first born, it means I have a sibling or have other siblings. Mm. But Christ, being the only begotten, had no sibling. There was no one. Mm. Before his death and resurrection, he was the only begotten son of God. Hallelujah. But after his death and resurrection, he became the first begotten, the firstborn son of God. Mm. Why? Because after his death and resurrection, he produced many sons. Mm. Wow. Because in the sight of God, Christ did not just die as the Lamb of God. You know, his death was in twofold. He died as the Lamb of God and also the wheat of God. Mm. John 12 except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it abides alone but when it dies it brings forth much fruit so we are the much we are the mass reproduction of Christ 
is a prototype and has duplication. Mm. John 12. Uh, so the, the, the tomb was actually the womb of God. Mm. Uh, that was why we were born. So, w- w- I mean, so the Bible said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So before God, we are sons, but before Christ, we are brothers. Mm. <laughs> for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory mm. to make it a captain mm. of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all of one for this cause is not ashamed to call them brethren mm. so Christ calls us brethren and the word brethren is actually the word Adolphus yeah. he's speaking of twins uh-huh. so before God we are sons <laughs> before Christ we are brothers so what is the church the church is the corporate composition of the brothers of the firstborn son of God. Mm, 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 <laughs> so mm. he is the firstborn, yeah. and he he had that that title after resurrection. Yeah. So I mean, if you read from other parts of the Bible, calls him the firstborn from the dead yes. in relation to his resurrection and all that. But prior to that, he was the only begotten. Only begotten son. John yeah. three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever so that whosoever is a very powerful. If you look at it on the original text, even in English, it's three. Whosoever. Yeah. Who, talking of regardless of personality. So, regardless of wherever you find yourself, situation, ever, regardless of time. Whosoever believes in him yeah. will not perish, but have eternal life. But then, um, the word, the, the, most versions use everlasting life. That applies to us. Okay, everlasting life applies to us. But then eternal life is what actually links us to him. Get this. So he became the firstborn. He was the firstborn among many brethren. As I said, Adam. So the first Adam. Because remember, the first human was Adam. He's the first in the human race. So just like the last Adam, he's the first in that perfected race. That's the difference. So Adam was with regards to human beings as we are today. But Jesus is in regard to um, what God's plan was. He's the first. So that's how come we call Jesus the perfect man or the pattern man. If you remember from previous episodes and previous seasons, Jesus being the pattern man. So the first one is not just talking about um, as in coming in time, but it's also talking about his authority as the one who sets the pattern for us. And he's the one now we look up to to now validate and also authenticate our sonship. Yeah, and also, I mean, you made mention of Adam being the pattern and all that. Yeah, and um, I mean, Adam, we know, was just a prototype. Sorry, he was just um, a type, a shadow. Yeah. Because the Bible says um, Adam was a type of Christ. Uh, yes, I mean, but um, you, you made mention of everyone being in Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So what the Bible said, it is not good for man to be alone. Yes. Uh-huh. But most people just think yeah. of it in marriage. In marriage and relationships. But, uh, <laughs> but in Hebrew, it just it's, it's not just it is not good for man to be alone. In Hebrew, it says it is not good for man to be all in one. Yeah, or all one. Uh-huh. Because when God had finished creating Adam, he had finished creating the entire human race. So all men were seminally in Adam. Yeah. That's why when Christ came out as second Adam, First Corinthians 15, yeah. God reversed the entire creation back into Christ. Yes. He reversed everything back into him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. he's the he's the because I mean the first Adam was natural. Yeah. But the second Adam was spiritual. Was very spiritual. Spiritual. Was yeah. very spiritual. So yeah, that that that's what makes it even more beautiful as as him being the firstborn among many brethren. And the picture that Jesus paints for us concerning sonship is that, you see, there's one thing I've come to realize. Any dimension you see possible in a human being, it means it's attainable. Mm -hmm. This is why Jesus had to come as a man. Jesus had to, and in order to understand already, we must see that his coming as a man was not so that um, he would just change the world per se, but he would change all things. Okay, so this is the thing. When Jesus Christ actually went to hell, he didn't go with the power of the Holy Spirit. He came in the power, he went in the power of Adam. Because it took, an, it took Adam to hand over authority. So he therefore took Adam to take back authority. This was the catch. 
Adam was perfect when he gave authority. So Adam must be perfect when he takes back authority. Yeah. So this is how come even scriptures, like Isaiah says, the land that was covered in a great darkness has seen a great light. So you realize that that great light there was not the light of the Holy Ghost or it wasn't even him going as the power of God because remember in Hebrews, it's written that he stripped, he said he saw um, and I repose it like this. He said he saw being God as a position not to strive for. It literally means he didn't see being God as something you hold on to. He put it's like someone I'm wearing a hat now in the studio. For those of you, we I don't think we will have cameras <laughs> or anything, but I'm wearing a hat in the studio and I go home and I put my hat down. That's a, the idea is that my hat is not something I should keep on my head always. I don't consider my hat as something that should be a part of me, but putting it down. To the end, and now I can go and take care of other matters. This is how Jesus saw Godhood. So even him, because remember before John chapter one, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't, that Word, that Word is not Word. It's Logos. Okay, and the Word Logos there. This is how I translate it. It means the basic unit of expression. Doctor Miles Monroe terms it like this. Logos actually means idea. So he's saying that in the beginning, the idea was God. Now, the idea became flesh. That one was not a promotion. It was a demotion, actually. The idea now subjected himself to limitation. So this is the picture now. This is how come Jesus had a confidence to tell you that no greater love does any man have than this, that he lays down his life for a friend. So he's telling you that the greatest form or the greatest expression of love in this plane is known as sacrifice. This is why he had to go through crucifixion because that sacrifice is what helped him find, that sacrifice is what helped him um, communicate that expression well. So for us, what Jesus paints concerning his sonship, because remember it says that he endured the shame of the cross, knowing that in doing that he'll bring many sons to glory. A lot of things speak to me now. He talks about perfect love. It talks about the ultimate sacrifice. It talks about having a vision, having a focus. It talks about, you know, looking at the end. Looking at the end. Looking at how the means. It's not just the means alone that's justified. It is the end as well. The end doesn't justify the means. And the means doesn't justify the end. Both need to be justified on their own. And Jesus did it in a perfect way. That as coming as a man, he fulfilled justice. But then even as coming as a man, it was mercy because why? People could never come to God, so God came to us. This is, this is a very big mosaic of things that we see with regards to the sonship of him. Uh, I don't know. I think I should turn the baton over to Prosper <laughs> about the picture of sonship. What really goes on there? Because it's really a big mosaic. I think I should leave some for you. <laughs> <laughs> even me, I don't think I'll express everything. <laughs> well... Um, so, the picture of sonship as presented in scripture. And in Christ. Oh. Where do I begin from? God help me. Okay, so I think the Bible presents to us um, different stages, you know, in our growth. Mm. Yeah. Different stages. You know, so for instance, the Bible says, I mean, the, the first one is breathless, uh, which is um, from the time from I mean from the time you have a fetus in your womb to the time you give birth. Uh, it's called a breathless. So when Paul told Timothy, "From a child, thou hast known the scriptures, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation," mm-hmm. I'm saying from a breathless. Mm-hmm. From the time Timothy was a fetus in the mother's womb, he knew the scriptures. Hey. <laughs> 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 uh, because I believe the mother was speaking the scriptures about the child. Because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I mean, this same Paul told Timothy that, I mean, I put it into remembrance of the pure, unfeigned faith which was in thy grandmother Lois mm. and in thy mother Eunice. Mm. I am persuaded that is indeed also. Mm. But Paul was saying, the faith Timothy has now. It was transferred from the grandmother to him. Uh, so, I mean, from the time Timothy was a baby, cry, no, scriptures were spoken over him. Mm. Then we come to Nepius, which we all know. We come to Technon. Mm. Uh, then we come to, uh, I mean, from Nepius, we go to Pideon. Mm. Uh, we have the word pediatrics, pediatrician, yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. We go yeah. to Technon. Uh, then we come to, I mean, um, Hughes. Uh, 
Hius uh, is a full son. And they come to Pater. And he means a father. Mm. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, there, there are stages. I mean, you don't just get up to become a son. So you mature into sonship. Mm. Uh, you mature into sonship. I mean, I mean, just it's a gradual process. Uh, gradual process. And so Jesus himself didn't just, I mean, get up to become a son one day. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I mean, I mean, being a son is all right, but you have to mature into sonship. Uh, so a son is just is the joy of the father. It's the joy of the father, but coming to sonship, you become the pride of the father. Mm. I mean, when Jesus was born, the father never spoke. Mm. It was when he came into sonship that uh, the father is, spoke. This, this is, is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Exactly. I think you should. We should also talk about. The fact that parallel of Abraham, when Isaac was born, they didn't celebrate. It was when he was circumcised. I think I've, that's my memory says me right. When he became of age, and yes, when he was weaned, rather. Yeah. When he was weaned of the milk, rather. That was where there was a celebration in the house. <laughs> and the Bible records it. So what does that tell us? So Abraham is actually a pattern of how God relates to us as father. Yeah. And he's showing us that his joy is in this, that we now get off milk. So I like this pas- the translation pas- um, the translation from the Passion Version, um, Hebrews chapter 5, from mm-hmm. verse 12 to 14. It, the summary is like this. It's saying that if... For you, one for the time you're talking to Jesus. Yes. You have need that someone teach you again. You are quoting King James. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, he says, but he says... Passion goes like it says, for this time you ought to have been professors of <laughs> the word, teaching others. But now you need to be taught yourself. Anyone who still lives off milk has not been pierced. Ah, no, no, no. It's unskillful in the word of righteousness. Good. <laughs> the translation there goes like, you have not been pierced with the revelation of righteousness. So it's telling you that God's joy is not in when you are doing go go gaga. <laughs> <laughs> As a Christian, God, I need this. What do I mean by go go gaga? When your Christianity is need-driven rather than kingdom-driven. Yeah. Because only when you are weaned off milk can the father start teaching you matters concerning the house. Yeah. I think that's the difference between the uh, pedios and then the technon and those mm-hmm. things. My Greek is a bit wonky. <laughs> I know that once you are here. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's telling us that and even Galatians gives us a very, very thorough picture. You'll see it in Galatians chapter 4. If you can have time to study that scripture, you really study it. But it's saying that the verse 1 was like, that the hair, as long as he's a child, he differs exactly. nothing from yeah. a servant, though so, he be Lord of all. So this brings us to wise sonship. Yes, wise sonship. Mm-hmm. Wise sonship. So, so, <laughs> so he's saying that because, so first off, then Galatians 4 now talks about God made us sons by virtue of his spirit. Okay, but he didn't just give us a spirit. He gave us a spirit from his son. So the spirit of his son, as is written in verse 6. So he's saying that the spirit of his son is what helps us cry, Abba, Father. Yeah. Abba. And interestingly enough, in the rabbinical tradition, Abba is actually believed to be the first word that comes out of a baby's mouth in the Hebrew setting. Mm-hmm. That's how come they related it. So it is like the crying of a baby. Ah, Abba, Abba, Abba. That is how they related it. You get it? And even when you look at this, the word in the Hebrew and you study the hieroglyphics, you realize that it is Abba is just from two letters. Aleph and Bet. Okay. And then the Aleph talks of the head. And the Bet talks of the tent. So it talks of the father being not just the head of the tent, but the strength of the tent. But then in, in the sun, it is actually the letters inverse. So it's beat aleph. That is where we get the word bar. Right? And it's the tent. So it is, so the Hebrews believed it like this. It's the father who gives the house strength, but it is the son who gives the house a name. Oh. It is the father who gives the house strength. And it's interesting. It even makes us why Jesus Christ came as the son of God. Because for a long time, the house of God didn't know the identity of the father. So it was the son who had to now come and give the yeah. father a name. That was, so he says, whosoever, he says, he who has seen me has seen the father. He wasn't talking about just him being the full embodiment of the triune God. But he was just saying that 
I am the reason why you people can now give God an identity. When I say you're hey, Vav, hey, you now understand that it is me that yeah. you are referring to. Why, Sanship? I mean, I think, let me throw this thing to you, then I know it will come back <laughs> to me. So <laughs> let me just throw this thing to yeah, you. So like you said in Galatians 4, down the air, as long as he's a child, different nothing from a servant, mm-hmm. though he be Lord of all. Mm-hmm. But it's under tutors and governors mm. until the appointed time by the father. Mm. The appointed time is adoption. Mm. Mm. <laughs> if you get born again, you've been regenerated. But you need to come to the place of adoption. You see, when we talk of adoption, in, you know, in relation to the Bible, it's not civil adoption as we know today. Mm. You know, it's about heotasia. <laughs> From heos and titemi. Heos means a son. Uh-huh. And then titemi means to place. Mm. So adoption means to place as a son. Mm. Uh-huh. Yes. Because, I, I mean, at, at that time, you know, today when we say adoption, they, they will think, you know, you are not my son. I'll go to an orphanage and then go and adopt you. I know. Among the Jews, they adopt their own children. Mm. <laughs> They adopt their own children. I think even Greco-Roman times too. Was also that's, so that's when the child comes to the age of maturity, the age of accountability. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, in God's mind, we all have to come to the place of adoption. Mm. Uh, because being a son is just, like we said, it's related to life. But coming into sonship is related to position. Mm. You have to do with the rights and responsibilities. Mm. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, it's like a- another difference between being a son and coming to sonship and the same as birth and birthright. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you are born, mm-hmm. you don't yet have the birthright. Mm. You have to grow, to lay hold on it. Mm. Uh-huh. So, I mean, in the mind of God, everybody must come to the very to the com- confirmation of the very image of the Son of God. Mm. Mm. Uh-huh. That's why we come to the place of adoption. Mm. Mm. Uh-huh. Adoption. I mean, it it it's, it brings me back to mind. For example, you you were mentioning about even in if you are someone who has been watching a lot of Spartan movies, you realize that sometimes when they take time to show you how the Spartans and the Roman warriors grew, you realize that it got to a point in time, there was something like a trial to determine that, okay, if the man has five sons, a trial would go through, and I think that was the basis for certain legends, you know, and stories even in the English times. That um, So the test was to separate who had the power, okay, or who had a responsible mindset to handle the affairs of the father when he was not around. And one thing, too, that even brought my mind was some people don't realize that this sonship actually is the link between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. In God's family, everybody's in the kingdom. So everybody's in the kingdom of God in God's family. However, the kingdom of heaven deals with the government. (laughs) So you can be in God's family by joining his affairs. You can be in your father's house by joining your father's matter. You get it. So this is here, the parables like the servants were thrown out and where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That one is not a picture of hell. Hell is where you are left. Hell is the place where you are now left to yourself. This is how come it's dangerous. And I think we should talk about chastisement because I realize that people think not being chastised is a proof that <laughs> your father loves you. No. No, I think, can you hammer on that? Then I think we should quote Hebrews 12 on that. I said, whom the Lord, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Mm. And the word son there is the word he used. Mm. So those the Lord is disciplined, or those who are under the training of the Lord, they are the mature sons. Mm. So, I think that was Job too. <laughs> it was also in Job. So if the Lord... I mean, if you are not experiencing the discipline and the chastening of the Lord, you are not your mature. Okay. I think Proverbs 4, 2 is also that where that verse comes from. <laughs> so in actual sense, the proof that God loves you is the ability to discipline you. Yeah. <laughs> the proof that your father loves you 
or the proof that the proof of fatherhood or okay the proof of you being a legitimate son let me put it this way mm -hmm. the proof of you being legitimate in God's family is his ability to discipline you yeah his ability to chastise you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23. Isn't that right? So, but then the rod and the staff is not for every animal. It's for the shepherd's food. <laughs> Closer. <laughs> it is for the shepherd's food. So actually the proof that God loves you is not his ability to answer your prayer request quickly. His ability to discipline you when you're falling short. Yeah. Because God doesn't deal with bastards. I think this is where now we should draw the line. That... The fact that even God could lay the greatest chastisement of all upon his son was the biggest evidence that he was the son of God. Yeah. That I think we should get we should get it clear. Because for a long time now, even me personally, I used to think that okay, the main reason why God loves me is his ability to answer my prayer request. The day he hit me, I realized that no, then it means that's why I'm very safe. Because once I'm going wrong, it means God can bring me back. He says he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, do I walk to the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So right after leading me in the path of righteousness, then I know the reason why I'm led in the path of righteousness. Thy rod and thy staff. Okay. <laughs> okay, so to, just to add uh, to um, thy rod and thy staff matter. Yeah. Because at that time, you know, um, I mean, the rod, you know, that was, that was what was being used by most people and them. I mean, they write their encounters, and um, I mean, what what they go through, they write it mm. on the road. Mm. They write it on the road, mm. uh -huh. and um, so when David kills a bear, he writes it on the road. He kills a lion, he writes it. Mm. I mean, it was it was um, one of the ways informations were handed down uh, from generation to generation. Oh. So if if you if you if you if you should go into the tagum. Uh, because around 180, there was a man by name Tagum Yonatan Ben Yuzil. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think I have one. Who yeah. began studying about the oral tradition. And this, this was one of the ways. And so in David's encounter, he, he would write it down. He would write it down. And whenever he's going through something, he would just read and it would comfort him. Oh. So the Bible said, whosoever was written aforetime oh was written for our reading. Oh my so that goodness. we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, Oh my hope. God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh so my goodness. Whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, so Romans 15 4 is, is the basis. Um, that I wrote and that stuff, they, they comfort me. That's the basis for Romans 15 4. Whosoever was written aforetime was written for our reading, for our wow. learning. Wow. So that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So when David reads the Lord, he has comfort. That's how the Lord dealt with me in time past. He can't do it again. <laughs> but you know, interestingly enough, actually, the word, the word um, rod, okay, is actually the word from which you get the Hebrew Mishnah. Wow. <laughs> no, so it's telling you that, so they believe that the teaching of the ancestors, as you said, yeah. As I'm handed it over to, it's the rod that guided me and supported me on the way. So the Mishnah, what the commentary that is coming, it's it's the is the oh okay. It is that point of contact that refers me back to the past, but keeps me going. And also it helps me remember what has been done and keeps me going. So and mind you, let even George chapter two, verse twenty, he says, and then in the day of the Lord, I'll pour out on a spell upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall sing visions. A very great mentor of mine told me this. He said this. The place of old men is this. This is the place of fathers. And we'll link it to John chapter, First John 2, verse 12 to 14, where he starts talking about the young men, the fathers, the children. And I think I'll leave that with maybe one question from Kojo, then I think we can call it a wrap. Um, is that the place of fathers is to dream. The place of sons is to have vision. Dreams are handed over to sons, but visions are carried out by young men. Oh. Fathers, and you see it in the rabbinical thoughts, that a father, anytime he had something left over. So even if you look at um, the story of David and Solomon, when David was about to die, you realize that David had certain desires, certain burdens he wanted to hand over to Solomon. 
One of them was that his dream was that the temple, a house for the Lord, be built. That was the dream handed over to the young man. Right? And yeah. then you see that they were his last wishes. We usually call them last wishes. No, they are the burdens of a man. So the burden, so it's often said in those circles that the burdens of the fathers are the inheritance of the son. This is how come where you need to have the technon and the hue. Yeah. It was because the father was not just looking for someone to take care of his estate. The father was looking for someone who had the ability to take care of his burden. Yeah. You get it? So the ability, so this is, and let's link it back to the Christian. Let's link it back to why Jesus became the firstborn. The point is this. That now God had a dream. God had an idea. Remember John chapter 1. In the beginning was the idea. Now that idea, he's looking for people he can hand it over to. Yeah. He's looking for people he can pass it on to. Because remember, your old men shall dream dreams when the Spirit of the Lord comes. Your young men shall see visions. Where, did that old, where do the old men learn the ability to dream dreams? <laughs> and where do the young men learn the ability to see visions? It is from the Spirit. And remember, it says, the Spirit of the Lord hovered upon the waters in the beginning. So it tells you now, this is the picture. Old, the Father wants to give us our dream. He has a, a desire for expression. What was the end for creation? Glory, right? Glory is an expression. God wanted to express himself. But he needs people. This is why we become sons. Yeah. The old man shall dream dreams. God, the ancient of days, is dreaming a big dream. And he's looking for someone. The question is, Will we answer? <laughs> will we answer? Will we answer? I mean, and I mean, what you said about the staff, it's, it's like, I'm <laughs> like, whoa, goodness. Because I'm looking at it in Tanzania here, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow. I mean, I don't know. Uh, please, those listening, don't forget, Kojo is in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I've been kicked off. The shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, um, just to wrap the show up, I want to ask, um, what is the the end of sonship? I think I just mentioned it here, but I'll hand over Prosper to take oh, off from that yeah, point. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the end is that we we'll take our place. Mm. Uh, we we'll take our place. Yes, in fulfilling God's desire. Yes, mm. but that I mean, the end is that I mean, we we'll, we'll, we'll know Him know his mind at every time, be able to do his bid and whatever he requires to be done at every point in time. Uh, we have to take our place. So taking our place is coming to the place of sonship. Uh, yes. And possessing a rightful inheritance. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask during the conversation was you mentioned the various types of sons. Yeah. So the nephews, the teclon, uh, all of that. What's the procedure to move from one stage to another? I believe the, this podcast is all about practicability yeah, or being yeah, yeah. practical. Yeah. So how then does one person move from an abuse to this and that and finally to the ultimate end? Okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. A okay. So I think what maybe we can help our listeners is we'll draw the parallels from the Bible using exactly. certain stories. And then I know Prosper is more inclined to the Greek I'm oh, a bit more. Young man. <laughs> What's a young man? <laughs> Me and you, who is young? <laughs> but we would look at it from those sides and try and bring that relatability to our listeners as well. Yeah. I think that's a good idea, right? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So, um, with the breathfuls, like I said, which is the fetus. So, till the time the baby is born. So, the Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that he may grow thereby. Mm-hmm. So it means that if you if you become a believer, you're now introduced to milk diet. Good. You're now introduced to milk. Okay. okay. Let me relate it with the Hebrew. So when you are born, then right after birth, eight days, circumcision. The essence for the milk is to help you now be able to deal with the sin nature. Okay. So then milk gives you strength to overcome the sin nature. So it is by the word we overcome. Look at the pattern Jesus said from the desert. Circumcision. Remember. Every Hebrew tradition was a shadow alluding to what God was going to do. So you realize that after eighth day, on the eighth day, the child is circumcised, right? So then when the child is circumcised, it's talking about how the sin nature is now cut off. We are cut off from that sin nature. It is the word that gives us strength. Remember, if the child was not healthy enough, okay, they couldn't circumcise the baby because they will be afraid that 
the child will not have the capacity to survive that. That's how come they waited till the eighth day. Still yeah. feeding, still giving the baby. So that way, they know that by the eighth day, yeah, this is the chance of survival. For, the baby will survive. So we know that this one yeah, is not a, a, a still birth that has been prolonged. You understand? So it's talking about we now building capacity to overcome the mentality from the original sin. Exactly. That's so it. like he made mention of eighth, uh, where on the eighth day the child is circumcised, I mean the flesh is cut off from every sin nature. Uh-huh. So, I mean, eight is the number of resurrection. Mm. So it means that if you become a believer and you get insight into his death and resurrection, you know that sin will have no hold on you. Exactly. So I think after uh-huh. Nepios, then the second stage, that one. So from breakfast, you go to Nepios. Yeah, breakfast. Uh, when I was... Paul said, when I was a child, I speak as a child. Uh, that's when, I mean, your, your speech and all those things are, I mean, are, are being controlled. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Yes. Because the proof that you are really matured is in your speech. Yeah. True. I'm telling you. True. True. So the Bible says, he that is able to bridle his tongue is able to bridle his whole body. <laughs> that's uh-huh. a very true statement. Uh-huh. So, I mean, when you are really refined, from there we go to... Um, Pideon. But before you go to oh, Pideon, okay. let me bring... So you realize that the Nephio stage for the Jew was recognized after circumcision up to the age of 12. That is where you have your bar mitzvah. <laughs> that is where you become a son of the Lord, literally. So it's saying that you've been trained. So as you mentioned, Timothy, that from infancy, you knew the Holy Scriptures. He was not just referring to the... Um, the infancy stage. He was talking about the period before his bar mitzvah. You get it? Because it was up to that time where now you are teaching the child the way he should go so that when he grows up, he doesn't become depart, he doesn't depart from it. So by the time you now reach your bar mitzvah, you now know that your government as a person, what governs you and your conduct and everything is Torah, law, what God has said. You get it? So he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. So they were training you to the point where your word becomes the word of God. That is how that thing is. So then, from Bar Mitzvah, that was age 12. Then you go to what prospects now yeah, come to talk to about. Pideon. Yes. Uh, that's actually, um, I mean, you are, you are immature, then you move on. You go to um, Technon. Yeah. Technon is 13 to 17 years. Yeah. And even, uh, yes. yeah, 13 yeah. to 17 years. Uh, so it's like you're an adolescent. Good. Uh, Yes. Then from then you move on to um, Nenis course. That's seventeen to forty years. Seventeen. Before you come to a full grown son. Good. So I mean, what will actually facilitate our growth in the Lord is just is the word and prayer. Exactly. The and even and, and even to draw the parallels, you realize that from twelve to thirty. So looking at the life of Jesus, you realize that there was a record of his private life at the breakfast stage. Yeah. Then at the stage of his bar mitzvah. That was 12, when he was in the temple, surrounded by teachers. That was when he was 12 years old. 12 is the age of Bar Mitzvah. For females, it's 13, right? So then you see Beth Mitzvah, that's the daughter of a law, but she's 13, one year. Then you continue from 12 to 30, okay? So after a 12, you are not qualified. You are qualified to go to the synagogue, okay? Synagogue, that is the Greek yeah. word from Wicked. And then it is at age 30 that when you've mastered the word enough, you are now qualified to handle the word and teach it. Yeah, rabbi. Rabbi. So, and let me even summarize the two Greeks. He said, from 12 to about 17, 18, it's at the point where now you are, you are going to school, okay? And you are go- undergoing battery of tests. Then the rabbis will now pick you. A rabbi will now pick you to train you. So you now, it's at that point where now you submit yourself to the mission of rabbi. This is where most of the, the disciples, with the, um, apart from Peter, this was the class most of them fell in. So they were young boys, adolescents, now being picked off by rabbis or mentors or prophets who are now going to submit to their training. Yeah. So you realize the stage now is like this. You need a word at your beginning, but you need a word until you are mature. So mm-hmm. this is how it, the emphasis of the word at your beginning is like milk gentle to help you build strength then from be- after your bed circumcision and all that it is now the word now no longer becomes for sweetening your mouth and also to build strength again you have to break bones, you have to break bones now and now submit to government the yeah. control of your speech then from 12 to 18 is now the period where the word now gives you your identity 
This is the stage. You get it. So at the 12 to 18, now that your identity has been found, from 18 to 13 is now where the mastery of what God has desiring you. This is where now from 18 to 30, so it's like from 12 to 17, that is where it's like O levels. <laughs> that was how the Jews described it. It's our modern day standards, like O levels. Mm-hmm. Then, if you were not really good enough to be picked by a rabbi, then you start learning your father's occupation. This was where you see James and John, the sons of Zebedi, and the others doing their father's professions. Then you have from 18 to 30. That was where advanced level. So that was where those who are going to be the professors, like, you know, Saul of Tarsus, mm-hmm. Jesus himself, Gamaliel, they were going to sit in their schools, debate, and all those things. So they learn all forms of thought. So it's at that point where the 18 to 30 stage is now where your expression now is being found, okay? And where now you are getting mastery over what you want to do. Then it's from 30 onwards, that is where revelation, that is where the heroes come in. Yeah. You are now entered the inheritance stage. Am I right? Um, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. So that's basically it. So you realize that the word and prayer, word and prayer, the word to help you see yourself, but prayer is communication to build that relationship. Because remember as we are coming, um, our Father who art in heaven. So relationship, relationship. Now that you are inheritance, you are building relationship. The prayer is to help you get to the point where imbibing you now, the heartbeat of the Father becomes your heartbeat. That's why we pray our kingdom. Um, our, Father. Your, our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Once the Father's needs are taken care of us, that's when we can pray, give us this, they are delivered. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think, yes. So, I mean, in as much as maybe you might be doing your personal word and prayer, word and prayer, and um, the Holy Spirit being our ultimate guide, I mean, it will be, also be um, good if you get a correct person. <laughs> <laughs> emphasis yeah. on this. A correct person. Please give to, the emphasis on this. <laughs> a correct person to disciple you. Uh, not necessarily someone who will be your spiritual father, but uh, someone who you know that has been where you are. Mm. Uh, yes. So that they can guide you. Yes. Uh, I mean, that will, because in that the, will also help. Because in the days of the Bible, ideally, it would have been your father. Ideally. Someone who knows where you are and has been where you are. Enough to teach you how to trade. Okay. So there were five things a father was supposed to do. One of them was that he was supposed to teach you how to live life. He was supposed to help you get a beloved. He was supposed to help you get a job. And then one of the rules looked so upset. He was supposed to teach you how to swim. (laughs) That was the concept. So it's five. I've forgotten the fourth. Um, But he was saying that, the end is that someone who knows us, and I, I double emphasis on what he said, that someone who knows where you've been, someone who has the vision to see where you are going and where God wants you to go, yeah. and then someone to empower you to get there. Because it's not everybody who can do that for you. Yeah. This is why you need the Holy Spirit, key, most key. That's why it was very important that the Holy Spirit came to us first to give us the spirit of adoption in order for us to now identify where we're going. You get it? So, yeah, go back to you, boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'm mesmerized in the studio because I've learned so much. <laughs> I've, learned, I've learned so much. And um, I just want to say a very big thank you to you guys for coming on and um, sharing all of this. So, yes, um, I know you listening, you have learned so much. And I'm, to be, I'm even, I don't even know what to say at this point. Before Lent, man. So, as I said from the beginning, thank you so much for um, following us from um, episode one till now. Um, I'm really happy Prosper emphasized on being discipled by, quote-unquote, a correct person. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget, our discipleship program is running. And please... Look sharp and join, yeah, and, and be discipled by, yeah. And if I may, I mean, a shout out to those who avail themselves and who either those discipled up close or from afar by our work. I mean, it's and yes, just an announcement, but um, it's been a year of God's goodness for us. We've been doing this thing for a year, and the stories that have come out three seasons, one year, and it's really incredible. Thank you so much. I mean, this is what we mean. This is, to us, it may not seem like a couple of guys just having a discussion. To us, it's ministry. We are expressing something God wants to have seen. 
and we really appreciate it so 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 much. I mean, the comments, the listens, <laughs> the shares, and the recommendation. I mean, I was there one time, and there's somebody I didn't even expect. You know, a very senior person I really respect so much. He he was like, "You guys, well done," and continue. And I was like, "Wow!" And I was like, "God, this is how far you've brought us." And I'm sh- I'm sure we'll have something in the works for you to help us celebrate mm-hmm. as well. So. <laughs> I mean, one year of Calvary Central, I mean, God has been good to us. It's an online party. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Okay. Oh, but we'll see, we'll see. But you do follow us on our socials and stay fo- stay glued to them. We will surely let you guys know if there's anything. Definitely, definitely. So, um, as Kwame has already said, um, follow us on our Instagram, Twitter, and our TikTok, Calvary underscore Central, and on Telegram, Calvary Central. Central. Yes. And as I, as I was already saying, don't forget our discipleship program is running. So just feel free to send us a DM and we'll, we'll, we'll let you know what to do. It's, it's free. It's on, free. On, on, all the, on all the socials, any of the socials. It's, it's free. I was hearing, uh, Kwame was telling me that someone was asking <laughs> me he was supposed to pay. And it was so amusing. <laughs> no, oh. Honestly, it's free. We are doing this um, because we want to advance the kingdom. Um, Jesus said, uh, go into the world and make disciples. The, yes, preach the gospel, make disciples, and not money. So we are not here to yeah, take I mean, your money. Christ so, alone. Christ alone. Exactly. Christ so, alone. Um, as I said, thank you so much for listening. I know this episode has been a blessing to you. I know um, you have learned so much. Don't forget to take notes because it's so important. You can't keep everything in your head. So please take notes. Go back to um, f- from season two to season one. Do everything. You know that you guys are going to be blessed by it. So, so the, ne- the next season, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was brought to you by The Milk Factory. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Have a lovely week. We love you and God bless you.